Cinema Time Capsule Podcast with your host, Child of the 80s and Retro Joel. Put on your headphones and start your training montage because it's 80s action hero movies this time on the podcast. Cinema Time Capsule's mission is to bring back the movies from the 80s to the big screen. We screen the movies in front of a live audience to decide collectively if they are as good as we remember them. The movies that we screen are chosen by you, the viewer, so head to the lobby and get yourself a treat. This episode, we are reviewing 80s action hero movies. I am your host, child of the 80s, Jeff. Alongside me is my co-host, the doctor of all things retro, Joel. Hey, yo, (laughs) Polly. Why do you do that every time we do an intro? <laughs> because I, I thought it was a clever one since we were talking <laughs> oh, about Rocco. Goodness. Okay, continue, Joel. All right, this week we have our as our special guest someone who is a longtime collaborator with us from uh, many, many years ago in different formats. We have the one and only Tiger Murray. Morning, gentlemen. How are you? Is that name Tiger on your birth certificate? Uh, no, it was... Uh, uh, bestowed upon me in high school, I believe, by one of the hosts of this show. Oh yeah, yeah. Which one of us? Uh, I think it was Child of the Eighties. Um, I don't remember that. Yeah, he was a vicious hockey player, yes. so we, he was like a tiger on the ice, right. and he would rip really. Apart. I thought it might have been before that. I didn't remember that. No, I led the, uh, the Salt Fleet Saracens in penalty minutes in my senior year. <laughs> That's funny because most of those penalties were tripping, <laughs> interference. Yeah, pretty much. Didn't lead the team in goals, though. But, no. you know, everyone needs Yeah, he's to still number somehow. one. Number one. Tiger, uh, tell us, um, can you just give us a um, a breakdown, like where you're from, maybe the year you're born, something nostalgic of the 80s that you remember, something that will uh, connect with our viewers at home? Sure. I'm from, uh, from Stony Creek, Ontario, uh, born in 1977. Uh, throughout the 80s... Um, one of my big memories, I think, is playing with the pitchback in the backyard. Remember that, Joel? Oh, yeah. I got one. You I saw one a couple one? years ago. Really? I haven't used it a single time. Wow. What's a pitchback? Well, it's... Is, uh, it this, is it the like the net Yep, that bounces? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. You throw the ball, uh, comes back at, at you. I wore out two of them when oh, I was a kid. Yeah. So I was trying to think of my favorite toy, because I know you guys are big on that, and I couldn't really uh, think of anything. That one's good I hope one. it qualifies. It does. Yeah. So that's one thing I remember from the 80s. Did you ever have um, foam goalie pads that you would put on your? Knees? Yeah, because we used to play a lot of hockey. Did you? We, did you make your own? Someone once had goalie pads made of actual pink insulation. <laughs> I think that could have been me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, I remember so, you having hockey in your true. driveway all the time. Yeah, I play hockey in the driveway all the time. Yeah, I remember ripping um, the orange hockey ball off of the insulation, and you'd get about <laughs> two shots to be destroyed, and that's it. Car, <laughs> my legs are itchy. <laughs> so I was thinking of a, ho- a guest host, Joel, and um, Tiger came to mind because I remember as a kid going over to his house. And correct me if I'm wrong, Tiger. You, ha- I think you had both movie channels at one time. Super what? A uh, both first choice and Super Channel. Is this correct? I originally had Super Channel, 
Wow. First choice was the competitor, kind of oh, like data VHS, right? yeah. and then they they conglomerate they what's that conglomerated? called conglomerated. Oh my gosh! Together, and I had all of them. Wow! Uh, like I thought that was so amazing. Did your parents win the lottery at some point. Yeah, it was like rich people, right? <laughs> yeah. Like because you would get the one weekend. He did every live six on the water. Months. He lived on the water. Well, he did actually live so, on the Stony Creek. So my my dad used to work at Henry's Cameras when I was really oh, young. Really? <clears throat> so he used to bring home the Betamax machine from the store. And at the time, 1983, 84, it was like $1,500. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And I remember my dad, we, he's like, let's watch Jaws. You do not touch this machine. Yeah. You don't look at this machine. <laughs> this has to go back to the store in pristine condition. Mm. So he was always sort of into um, weird cinema from his childhood, oh, the yeah. 50s and 60s, adventure, sci-fi, cowboy mm. kind of stuff. So, yeah, we watched a lot of movies in my household. And yeah, it's a big actual nostalgic getting that um, first choice super channel. Yeah. Oh my Remember god! Remember the catalog that came oh. with it, with the new the calendar. I just watched it scrambled. I, I think I just <laughs> like, threw it out because I, I didn't want to be. But I would go over to Tiger's it. house just to watch movies, and he's right. Like his dad would have a stack of movies from the library, and there were some bizarre titles that we would watch. Oh yeah, my dad would be cool about it. He'd be like, "I'm Stephen. I'm going to watch a movie now. You can sit in if you want." And I would sit in for 10 minutes sometimes, sometimes the whole thing. We watched, watched, uh, what's that Tom Berenger movie, Sniper? Remember? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You came over and my dad was watching it. And then we, we just, watched the whole thing. <laughs> we might have. And, and then, then played dr- the drums afterwards. <laughs> and just before we move on, I have to say the weirdest one that we watched was um, Cronenberg's Crash. I thought that was like the most bizarre thing we'd ever seen. But we mostly just With his dad? Well, no. So that <laughs> that would have been uncomfortable. That one might have come from National Video, mm. which oh, yeah, employed right. me for a few years. That's right. So Shout out to the Mannix. Uh, yeah, good good uh, ownership there, except they wouldn't let you uh, take home new releases, so you'd have to go in their deep, uh, dark back catalog. Yeah. And I think that's where Crash came from. And I remember watching it, I think, in Fast Forward. Yeah, we, it was, we just went to the... It was, uh, <laughs> it still disturbs me to this day. So we do have a, a, a movie file here, folks, for you. You've probably seen more movies than um, I can even recall. So thank you for being here, Tiger. So just for the screening recap here, for this episode, Joel and I debated the decade's greatest action heroes. And after a long-fought battle, we came down with a list of six heroes, action heroes of the 80s. In no particular order, Joel, would you like to name them? We have, of course... Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Kurt Russell, Chuck Norris, and R.I.P. Patrick Swayze. There was really um, no rhyme or reason to it. We know we wanted to have Arnie and and Sly, um, and then the rest we kind of just filled in. So if you disagree with us, please definitely message us and and let us know. We know that there were folks that were left off the list. When you look back and think, oh, yeah, he did like 85 action movies in the 80s and get that. But we had to limit it some way. Otherwise... Arnold Schwarzenegger. Thanks, Arnold. <laughs> um, he, he, he's on the next episode when we're doing uh, teen movies. I think he's going to be our guest. So um, from the list, what we did was we did a random draw of two action heroes and the host got to pick the two films it was kept secret for a little while and then we put it onto the poll so jeff chose commando Mm -hmm. arnie Mm -hmm. 
Uh, Delta Force from Chuck. Joel chose Bloodsport from Van Damme. Roadhouse from Swayze. And Stefan chose Big Trouble in Little China from Kurt Russell. And Rocky Four from Sly. Ayo, Bully. <laughs> Sorry, this is going to be a lot of bad. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> I don't know. This is Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> um, There's going to be a lot of that. Action movies in the 80s, are they different from now? Are they different from the 90s? How so? Hmm. Uh, who wants to open the floor on that? I don't know. I, I don't watch many now. Neither um, do I. I think there's probably, I mean, the, the big ones, I think of Mission Impossible, like they make a big deal about Tom Cruise does all these ridiculous stunts on his own. And it seems like they're, more dangerous than ever in some ways. Back then, I don't know how much of what we watched other than Van Damme, how many of those guys actually did the stuff that were, you know, you're getting thrown off a truck. Uh, I don't know if that's changed or not. There's actually, in the movies that we watched, um, you can you can definitely tell when the stuntman shows right. up. <laughs> yeah, I guess There's yes. a guy with a receding hairline that's playing uh, Chuck Norris all right. of a sudden. <laughs> Um, Arnold doesn't, doesn't look, look like anything yeah, like Yeah, that's Arnold. true. That's true. I think the choreography of action movies maybe has improved somewhat. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the fight sequences or some of the action sequences are yep. somewhat better. I think personalities was big in the 80s. The The humor probably was a little bit better in the 80s as well. Yeah. Uh, and, I yeah, I think in the 90s when the maybe like some of the uh, the kung fu influences from overseas started mm-hmm. to come into movies, you True. saw a lot of really interesting mm-hmm. choreography. Yeah, uh, I don't know if the eighties um, didn't really care that much about <laughs> about those those sequences. Yeah. So some of the notes I put down were um, there was some intense practical effects. Most of the things you were seeing on screen were done mm-hmm. on camera. Yeah. Not taken into a studio and uh, CGI'd. Right. High stakes uh, stunt work. There were stunt people. Sure. There was a TV show called The Fall Guy in the 80s all about right. a stuntman. <laughs> the major. Yeah, yeah. There was also a lot of non-traditional actors being used. So you had athletes, you had bodybuilders, you had martial artists yeah. that really couldn't act. Right. They were well, horrible I think actors. that's most of the actors on our list. Or They're wonderful people, though. I love them. Not a lot of uh, award nominations for acting in no. these movies. No. Although there have been a couple. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in the 80s, there was just a huge kind of resurgence of the American military zeal. Mm, um, yeah. Really? And the, the other thing is there's like a hyper-masculinity yep. going on, right? Yeah. It was the height of the alpha male. Um, I did a, a search for female action heroes, and there wasn't a huge list. Sigourney mm. Weaver was... Right. Probably the biggest, but there was only a couple films that she did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any other thoughts about action movies in the 80s before we move on? Uh, I don't know if this has changed, but it felt like a whole, there's a whole lot less moralizing where you're just like murdering everyone that you think is bad and then, <laughs> and then everyone's cheering. And, there was and a was, lot of kills. And, was, and that's what we were cheering on the good guy because it was clear he's a good guy because look they're bad and then hope they all die and it was um and not only did you kill whoever you thought was bad guy but it wasn't uh, actually the act wasn't completed until you said something really terse and hilarious (laughs) yeah and there's like a a million examples of that yeah that's true i don't watch action movies anymore but when i go back to the 80s i still enjoy them i still have a little bit of fun with that yes so there's something that's changed. I'm not quite sure what it is. Probably us. 
that we're maybe a little less comfortable with uh, hyper masculinity, violence, and murder. Uh, <laughs> I think I, I, I mean, I've never been cool with it, but maybe I'm thinking about it a little bit more. Well, let's get on to our movies then. I'm going to start with, uh, I kind of did, we're doing this in chronological order. We start in 1985 uh, with the main man, folks, the main man. Mm -hmm. Um, You know who he is. And I had to, I had this big, you know, it was resting on my shoulders. What am I going to pick for Arnie? Because there's so many good Mm -hmm. Arnie movies. What are some Arnie movies from the 80s that you you loved? You couldn't have gone wrong with Predator. Right. Amazing. uh, Running Man. Oh, so good. Uh, Terminator. Terminator. Oh. Rod Deal, not so much. Rod Deal was okay. It's not a tumor. Was that the that, 80s? That was 1989, I think. Kindergarten Cop? No, that? I could be wrong. Yeah, I could be was, wrong. Yeah. But there were so many good Arnie movies, but I had to go with Commando. Uh, I think that's like the biggest caricature of Arnold. Mm. It's his first breakout role after right. Conan, which I love Conan too. Oh, yeah. But he, he actually started speaking in the movies because, again, he, right. was, he wasn't an actor. <laughs> um, and he just developed the craft as he went. So I chose uh, 1985's Commando starring Arnie, Alyssa Milano, mm-hmm. Ray Don Chong, which is Tommy Chong's daughter. I did not know that. Um, Vernon Wells, not the amazing baseball player <laughs> who I love. But Vernon Wells from Mad Max 2. And Predator. What was he in Predator? Remember? He's uh, he's the quiet guy. And he does that. Yeah, I forget the lines, but he he's in there. He's great. That's why He's I credited as quiet guy, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Bill Duke, who is an action mainstay and I believe was also in Predator. Hmm. Okay, so this is a Stephen D'Souza film. Stephen D'Souza's all over the 80s, 48 Hours, Die Hard, Running Man. Um, and it's produced by uh, Joel Silver, and there's a lot of Silver um, productions mm-hmm. throughout yep. the 80s. The synopsis. Retired U.S. Army Colonel John Matrix and his elite unit are being picked off by mercenaries led by a South American dictator. There's always a South American dictator in the 80s. Matrix's daughter is kidnapped by the mercenaries, and he's told he must carry out an assassination so that a military coup can take place in the South American country of Valverde, which doesn't exist. <laughs> Will Matrix carry out the assassination in order to get his daughter back? No chance in hell. <laughs> I think Joel's over there trying to trying. do sound effects. He's g- oh, and that's the old, uh, is that the Wilhelm yep. scream? Yep. Okay, so there's a lot of Wilhelm screams in Thankfully. this. Thankfully. I think Wilhelm scream was like from the 1930s or something. It was it up, actually. It's from, I can't remember the movie, but it was, uh, it was the, that, that vintage. Someone got shot with an arrow mm-hmm. fell off a horse, and that was the scream that yep. somehow and, was used for seven decades. And it's just either. beautiful. It's in Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in, in everything. It's yeah. in everything, yeah. which I like and probably not used anymore, but... I don't know where the Wilhelm scream came from, but I do know that Kindergarten Cop came out in 1990, by the way. Okay, thank you for the correction. Also, I just want to apologize, Joel. I, I told you during the Christmas episode, best Christmas pageant ever was filmed in California. You were correct. It was it was Vancouver. Darn straight. I apologize. Yeah. I'm not that smart. Nope. <laughs> All right. My favorite line from the whole thing is, don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired. <laughs> yeah. After he kind of 
nonchalantly just snaps his neck, which I've been told you cannot actually <laughs> really do that. You can't just do this like, and then it's so broken. That oh, happened in the 80s. Every movie. There's like a did. next. I used to try it on my friends. Because every chiropractor would be murdering. They'd be out of business yes. immediately. But if anyone could do it. Sure. Arnie could. I mean, yeah. he ripped a phone booth out of. Rather than open the phone booth and grab the guy that he was <laughs> chasing, just, he lifted it and threw it down an escalator yeah. and uh, ripped a seat out of a, a convertible. Yep. He could have broken the guy's neck. Yeah, for so sure he could. did you guys like, what did you think of this film that I presented to you as Arnie's quintessential 80s mm. action film? Yep. Go ahead, Tiger. Well, if I can just digress for a moment. Uh, I'll have a point here in a moment. Uh, I just wanted to bring something up that we have something in common that maybe uh, you guys didn't know what? or the, the viewers at home didn't don't know that uh, we are all uh, former – we've been published in the same uh, periodical, very well-read right. newspaper called the Queen's Journal. That's true. Uh, yeah. Jeff and yourself and yep. myself, I did a lot of reviews of things like movies yep. and CDs and theater and things. And I always found, maybe you guys did too, it was always funner to do the things with flaws. Mm. It was easier to write, and it was just sure. more fun to do the bad stuff than the good stuff. It's true. And I got to say, I really enjoyed watching Commando. <laughs> <laughs> that was a long... <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, because the flaws are just so apparent yeah. throughout. Um, it's, it's a fun movie. Uh, there's just some things that just... I don't, I don't understand, but... Maybe I'll get to those in a minute. And Joel, you want to? Yeah, that's, I think your lead in, Jeff, was accurate. That it's sort of the quintessential Arnold movie. It sets the trajectory for the rest of his career that he'll just try and keep up with this. Of, yeah, feats of strength, uh, things that don't make sense of why you would do it this way that's way more difficult, well, at least for the common person, and then one-liners. Mm-hmm. Um, that Then it, this is it. Yeah, and- lots of death. And a lot of hyper, the hyper masculinity. Yep. I mean, yep. the, the, he, the first Arnie scene. looks good in this movie. He though, does man. look good. He looks when really he, good. when he is um, middle of the movie, he strips down into the speedo for no reason. Like you don't need to strip down to the speedo. He strips down to the speedo. Oh my goodness, this man! He's a specimen. Yeah, all natural too. Like no drugs sure. in him, zero at all. But the hyper masculinity that I was thinking of is the very first line of dialogue in the movie. Where he's he's playing with his daughter and he's right. teaching her to kick and they sit down for breakfast and it's very touching and then he says he looks at her Team Beat magazine and he makes a joke about boy George and he said should, girl George you should just call her girl George and right. then he mentions what the East German secret police would have done to subversives and maybe they had a point <laughs> like, they would have tortured boy George Arnold <laughs> that would be a tragedy I love boy George yeah so. John Matrix, this is why I picked the film. John Matrix has the most kills in an action, hmm. 80s action film. What is it, Joel? Did you look at the notes? I did not. Take a guess. Uh, I don't know, 45? Okay. And did you take a look at the notes? I believe it's 87. It's 87 wow. kills in a movie. And I think that's top five of all time. Hmm. But for the 80s, when I watched this film, I was totally loving sure. every minute of it. Every time something blew up. Yep. Every time a neck was broken, I was right in on this movie. This was top of the heap for me. Yeah. You're right, Tiger. The, the, the things that, as you watch it now, that's what, like, I remember loving it. And, yeah, it's it's a fun movie to re-engage with. But, yeah, then the things that I think 
does every kill require a one-liner and that he's so witty he comes up with a new one each time <laughs> so and he can also pull a piece of corrugated steel off a warehouse <laughs> and lift a phone booth out of the ground yep but he needs to drive a tractor through a glass door at the army surplus store which I didn't know they had rocket launchers in army surplus stores in downtown San Diego or wherever they were. Yeah. And it was the, a cool the Hamilton one launcher. stinks. Are you talking about the one with the four cannons on it? But then yeah, that, but then he didn't they get arrested? Like they did. Then so cuz he drove a truck a tractor through a yeah, window. Yeah, no. But then like punching the glass he's out. he's killing all these people but then the cop shows he's like, "Well, what am I going to do now? I guess you're taking me in." Yeah. And then they kill I think maybe they don't die, but at a couple of points, I think he does kill some American soldiers to escape. Mm. And that's just kind of like, all right, that's what he has to do to get his daughter back. Right. What happens after 87 kills? Nothing. You just go home and <laughs> yeah. you have dinner all, with your hey, daughter. Hey, everyone, it was a big misunderstanding. For me, the rewatching it, it was kind of like a letdown at the end because the major fight was between Vernon Wells and Arnie, and mm -hmm. this isn't a contest. It would have been over in three seconds. Right. Yeah. Like Arnie, if he can snap someone's neck, he's just toying with this guy for seven minutes so that it seems like we're having an actual battle. But I was disappointed with that at the end. Well, I think there was so much carnage on the way up. Yeah, and he had to take out Nick Tortelli first. There, so Yeah, uh, and there was no, no one left to murder. Okay, so. when you say Nick Tortelli, can you tell the viewers, um, just remind them who that is? I believe that's Dan... Hidea, Hadana. I don't know. Yes, you, know how to you got it. it. How, yeah, how is it? I think that's the way. Okay, close enough. Yeah, he was in. Uh, he was Carla's husband in Cheers. Yes. That's pretty much <laughs> yes. all you need to know. <laughs> but he was also in um, The Usual Suspects. Right. He stood next to Chaz Palminteri for mm -hmm. the whole movie. Um. So yeah, and there was like some kind of battle with them that lasted like three seconds, and so the ending for me was kind of like not as exciting as the build-up sure no well it was pretty non-stop like when you think of the um time period they set it over it was was it 12 hours or something like that Ooh. or just it was it was, it was less than a day. day yeah yeah and so then it, you're practically watching it in real time of all the things 87 people killed in one day <laughs> yeah. that's that's pretty intense. Did Alyssa Milana get to do use any of the kung fu that Arnie taught her in the beginning? Don't recall. No, okay. I think, but the ingenuity of like, oh, okay. um, she definitely got. Remember, she got herself out of where she was trapped. She, so you obviously got that from her dad. True. Was mom even referenced in this? We don't know. We think we think John Matrix is East German, right? But his but name he is works Matrix. for the U.S. But his name is Matrix, which is definitely yeah. not. It's like that's like Latin or something, which is a, I think a bad name for a hero. I don't like the name Matrix. It's kind of well, it was. I think it fits because it's yeah, just an action movie hero name, John Matrix. That's no one's real name. It's Pick John, so he can say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what they got right about this movie. They got. That's what I like about the '80s too. They don't try to make it too difficult for you to figure out. Right. Yeah. This is what the movie is about. Yes. This guy's huge. Yeah. And we can only let him say three words at a time, <laughs> yeah. and everything falls apart when he says more. Yeah. So it's going to be, I'll be back. And, and this is the first time he says, I'll be back, actually. Right. He says that in this How film. many other times did he say it? And what other movies did it appear? I know it was in Terminator. Yeah. Probably each Terminator. Does have the iconic lines for sure. Yeah. It was a good one. Did you uh, guys, would you say this was a uh, low point 
for Arnie or a high point for her? Anything? Or just given given what you got surrounding this yeah. movie with Predator and with Fair. Running Man? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Am I, I an idiot for choosing yeah, this no, one? No, I think so. Uh, <laughs> sorry to interrupt again. You're not an idiot for choosing so this much. one. But you're still an idiot. No. <laughs> that's, other reasons. That's for Plenty of other reasons. Terminator was the first I'll be back, yep. by the way. Not this one. When was Terminator? 84? Uh, yeah. yeah, it was. Terminator was his first movie after Conan. Thank I you think. for the correction. And then. That's why we pay him the big bucks. But this was his first movie that he was the good guy because yeah. he was the bad guy in right. Terminator, right? right? But I'll be back was definitely from Terminator first. I could have picked Terminator, but I thought that would be too cliche. Mm. Well, I think this one was better because, like I said, he's the good guy. Yeah, It wouldn't have fit the theme if you picked Terminator where he's the bad guy. Would you say that this is your favorite Arnold movie overall? No. I would say my favorite is is Running Man. Yeah? I just love the Running Man. I, I would go with Predator, but Running Man's amazing too. I'm picking Predator if I had to pick one. I think this is the best choice for Arnie in this vote. But I really want to know, Jeff. Can you do the Running Man, or can yeah. you just watch it? One hundred percent, I do it every day. All right, we're, we're gonna post by, some. Stop by my room; you'll see it. Po- post that on socials one of these times. I've Jeff lost like a madman too. <laughs> you know it. Okay, moving on. So we've got a Commando by Arnold, and we're moving on to another nineteen eighty-five selection. This one is Tiger selection. Okay, so this is Sly. This is Rocky IV. There was no debate internally with me about this one. Mm. This is the crowd pleaser. This is the fan right. favorite. There's, there's so much happened in this one. Everybody remembers this one from the 80s. Uh, but I'll give you a little rundown in case you missed yep. it. So soon after defeating Clubber Lang and forging a bond with adversary Apollo Creed, boxer Rocky Balboa has settled all of his scores and prepares to spend some quiet time with family and friends. This changes when Creed enters an exhibition bout with Russian Ivan Drago, a young, untested boxer, rumored to have preternatural strength and punching power. Creed receives a vicious beating in the ring and succumbs to his injuries in front of Balboa, his ringman, Duke, his trainer and surrogate father, and a horrified crowd. Balboa must enter the ring again as the ultimate underdog to avenge his friend's death, prove his detractors wrong, and to settle a score bigger than any man or boxer, East versus yeah, West. Nice synopsis. Mm-hmm. Nice synopsis. So, so my my other synopsis briefly was going to be watch a movie about a boxer who never actually practices boxing <laughs> ever. He no, just doesn't practice he boxing. Did, he did. Ever, well, no, there was a bit of punching in the barn. There was a punching in the barn when he was going under a rope for uppercuts. And, yes, and sit-ups. I think but he was doing the sit-ups. Drago is like 11 inches yes. taller than him. <laughs> yeah. And they never brought a sparring partner nope. to Didn't Russia. Didn't need it. Didn't need it. That's weird. Yeah. Well, you're a big boxing fan. I remember you saying that you wanted to be a boxer, and you would always practice in your basement and stuff you like that. You guys check out my shirt Yeah, today? I did. Yeah, you've always wanted to. Tiger's why, got the Mighty Mix uh, boxing club. Why have you always wanted on. to be a boxer? I just think it's like the ultimate uh, uh, test of, uh, I don't know, um, intelligence necessarily, but in terms of sport, um, athleticism, strategy, you know, strategy yep. all that stuff is cool. Uh, I always wanted to see 
uh, if I could take a, a gloved punch to the face and still think about what I want, wanting to be there. I've never, <laughs> never had that happen to me before. So you never had any hockey fights? No, never had. A, I had a road hockey fight one time, right in grade six. So uh, I think we had one in the RHA, the short-lived. There were some there, definitely. The Road Hockey Association, yeah. yes, yeah. the Niagara Elite. Yeah, we could spend some time yeah. on that. Yeah, topic for sure. <laughs> so why this one over? Like for me. I would have picked Rambo 2 only because it's like, again, very similar to Commando. So I'm interested in why um, you went with Rocky 4 of mm-hmm. all things. Why not Rocky 3 even with Hulk Hogan and Mr. T? Why this one? Because this, this movie is kind of silly in its own unique universe of silliness. It's just so over the top. Uh, nice plug for another slide yeah, movie. Yes. Over the top. Yeah, I love that too. Yeah, I could have picked that one. Oh, that's true. That yeah. th- that there's not as much payoff from. The, the, no, it's uh, true. What I will say about Rocky is they did the the, the things they needed to do right. They did mm-hmm. them. They did the montages correctly. Oh my gosh! The, <laughs> the first mon, the second, the training montage, I I I can laugh at a little bit because it was kind of dumb. And some no, it was beautiful. Come on. What do you mean? Because it was beautiful. He doesn't, like, he doesn't spar with anybody. At least who dur- cares? He's wearing jeans in. <laughs> he's wearing jeans running up a snowy mountain. Drago! That so that that yeah. they did that right too. That yeah. that's what Sly's good at. He's good at that scream, which was which he's good at grunting. on the top of a mountain. But he's pulling a sled. Yeah, and Polly yeah. and Polly's there uh, for some reason, just to sit in the cart so he can lift him up. <laughs> yeah. He's throwing rocks in a bag. He's doing really silly things, and he and, and Drago's actually punching like a yes. sparring partner. Yeah, he's getting ready for this fight. This makes no sense that Stallone that Rocky would win any fights, but. The montages were good. The first montage with him in the Lamborghini was, oh, uh, that was that was one. That's a highlight of the eighties for me. Right there is there. no easy love, way out. There's no there's shortcut no sh- home. Nope. And you know what's best about that? Sly directed this movie, yes. right? And I think he saw the movie was terrible in a lot of ways, and he said, "You know what we should do? Remind people of good movies like Rocky One." <laughs> and there's there's Apollo, and yep. there's Rocky, and it's like. Yeah, Ooh. there are a lot of throwbacks. That was some goosebumps yeah, yeah. for me. Like, I didn't get many goosebumps watching these movies, but I, that was big. Mm-hmm. So they got the fight right, and they got the training montage right, and they also got the fact that this is very simple. Rocky is about a guy who can take punches mm-hmm. and never quits. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I think the timing of it being 1985, you have uh, the height of the Cold War. Yes. Then it's America versus Russia. And the Russian beat our American champion, and he killed him. Too, took things too far in an exhibition bout. He killed and Rocky him. is going to avenge, but what does he do? He gets the Russians on his side at the by the end because they're just so overwhelmed by his fortitude and uh, stamina that he he wins wins the hearts of the Russian people. Well, and, if that happened today, that, we know Rocky would have been thrown down a set of stairs and the bout would have never taken place <laughs> so that's the difference between no, he would have and got that. up and walked back up those stairs so this was obviously starring stallone uh, an amazing dolph lundgren like his body was yeah. unbelievable carl weathers atelia sheer uh burt young and tony burton mm-hmm. and all kind of worked hard in this movie to 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 make it what it is tony burton worked hard uh duke Yes. Uh, as a trainer. Oh, um, he's amazing. Uh, he did a lot. He said, um, no pain. Yeah. <laughs> no pain. No pain. Yeah. Didn't say anything like, try to hit Mem- no, this mem- guy. But with, remember there was that touching moment hook. between Duke and Rock? 
Yeah. When they're reminiscing about Apollo yeah. and how you're like a son to me and all that. But uh, like, do you really buy? I don't. This is what I don't buy about Rocky Four. First of all, um, I think that um, Rocky's a bad husband and a bad dad, and he's a bad friend. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, I was I thinking think that Adrian makes all the sense in the world. She didn't want Apollo to fight this guy, and he died. Yeah. Every did, I was just yeah. thinking that every single movie minus the first one has uh, has Adrian begging him not to fight, yep. and then him saying I have to, and then then she comes around. I mean, that's probably the most exciting moment for me because I love the Rocky movies. Is in part two when remember she's in a coma and she comes <laughs> yeah. to him, he's like come here win and when the bell chimes i get goosebumps every <laughs> single time it it gets me so pumped but anyhow that's i was thinking of the other day of like she asks him not to fight all the time I and would, he does it every time i would love to see a rocky movie from adrian's perspective called adrian <laughs> and just watching her like sitting in her house her by herself well then rocky's got brain damage after this movie too <laughs> yeah, and that's how that's how part yeah, five opens absolutely where he's now permanently damaged for life. Mm. And then now they're living in Yeah. That's Rocky. actually really so, sad. So this was the yeah. height yeah. this was the height of, of Rocky and um his showmanship and and bringing the world together mm-hmm. and bringing down the uh, Soviet Union single-handedly and then he ends up yeah. in a small house in the in the in um, Philadelphia in Philly cuz Paulie who he brought yeah. to Russia for some reason and you notice that Paulie was like, we're going to miss the Rose Bowl um, because there's no TV here. I'm like, the Rose Bowls on New Year's Day. This is a, like, this is Christmas I never Day. liked Paulie. Yeah. I like Paulie's sexy robot. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a, I'm just looking at the notes. There's a little bit of um, a contention with the soundtrack between Tiger and Joel. And well, yeah. what's going on here? Like, I know, Joel, you... I really, I loved it. It's yeah. Tiger's not wrong. It's there are songs that no, are just super Tiger cheesy. Tiger is wrong, but they're so perfectly placed. Like uh, you get a, you get the throwback to "I the Tiger." I think yeah. They bring it back, that's but a then great they song. get absolutely. But then is they that get, a bad? You think Tiger? You think that's a bad song? I'm talking about Burning Heart here. No, I'm talking about "I the Tiger." I the Tiger is "I the Tiger." When does it appear in? Rocky Four? Just answer the question. Is okay. I the Tiger a good song or not? Uh, yeah, it's okay. Except it's like overdone on rock band, so I've kind of yes. hated okay, it. Okay, fair enough. Now. But then, so then they bring, he bring back, brings back Survivor to do another song. Survivor didn't do a bad job. I just think Burning Heart, hmm. where he lands in, in Russia, is the cheesiest like lyrics. If you weren't paying attention to the movie, don't worry, Survivor's going to recap it. It's East <laughs> versus West, Man versus Beast. That's classic awesome. 80s, though. But man, you're I got to go. I got to run just up and down the street as hard as I can right now because I'm getting so pumped. Hey, no easy way out. Makes yeah. me want to have a fight with my wife and drive my car around <laughs> the street thinking about old times. Right. This doesn't make me think you, about anything. You're leaving the best song out, though. And this is oh, an amazing song. The climbing, climbing the Mountain song? Oh, my gosh. The montage song? The grandfather of funk himself. Oh, right. Oh, living, <laughs> living in America. Yeah. Come on, man. Hot in the hot tub. <laughs> right? Come on. You guys going to tell me that's a bad tune? That's the no, best no, no. tune. I would say, it, nope. That's the low point of the movie for me. You know what? I like if, it. Living oh, really? in America? Yeah, because it, oh. like, they left it. I just thought the scene went too long. That, Didn't go long enough. Uh, <laughs> Here's the weird thing that it's kind of com- complicated. And it's, it's weird about the movie 
is that that mo- that song depicts Apollo's relationship right. and his character, right? Yep. Uh, and it's all about excess and American mm. superiority. Right. And in the end, all of the fancy American consumer cultural pieces are shown to be like detrimental. Right. Rocky doesn't succeed until he takes all of his Lamborghinis and his toys Ooh. and goes back to Russia right. to the log cabin. Yeah. Well, with Apollo, he had to go back to the Apollo's gym in this gritty part of right. some LA or something. Uh, and then the Russians got all these toys, hmm. like all this technology. These we call them metrics now. And yeah. every sports conglomeration so, yeah. uses these. So it's like the American dream is basically destroyed in mm. Rocky IV. Mm. It's like go back to your roots. Right. Lift up sleds and move rocks. Don't pay no attention to this great technology right. we have here in the States. Mm. And then the Russian at the end is like, I don't fight for you. I fight for me. Mm. And he's like, well, that's very American sounding. True. Wow. So it's a, it's a weird yeah. messaging. Yep. Before we movie. leave this film, did you ever have um, arguments with your friends in the 80s? Who was the better boxer, Rocky versus Mike Tyson? Because we used to have these no. major, and I would always say Rocky would destroy Tyson. <laughs> and with no kind of irony at all, I thought that Rocky was a boxer. Right. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and I thought that Rocky would beat Tyson. When did you realize when that wrestling was fake? How old do you think you were? What are you talking oh, about? Okay, that's what I thought. What? Why what are you talking about wrestling fake? Yeah. What? No, nothing. Don't okay. worry about it. Sorry. Anyway. Sorry. I need to regather myself because I'm very heated right now and we're gonna have a discussion off air. But first, we're gonna take the short break. <laughs> They hunted him down. You know, Colonel, we went through a lot of trouble to find you. They murdered his friends. And they took the only thing he would kill for. If you want your kid back, then you gotta cooperate. Right? Wrong. Now, somewhere, somehow, someone's gonna pay. Do you think that he is going to give us any problems? You'll do exactly as he's told. Last and wait, you fellas. You're a funny guy, Sally. That's why I'm going to kill you last. Are you going to tell me what's going on or what? No. Don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired. What are you doing? Helping you get her back. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's right, Major. You did. I lied. If it's a mission no man can survive, he's the man for the job. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Commando. Let's party. Okay, we are now moving on. (laughs) That's kind of the way I feel about this film. I drew Chuck Norris. We chose Chuck Norris. I think I pushed for Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris was a big Mm -hmm. action star in the 70s and 80s. No question. Does anyone remember Chuck's first 
film? I don't know if Chuck does. I don't. <laughs> um, and I, correct me if I'm wrong. Simon will correct me if I'm wrong. He was alive then. I believe it was... I don't know for sure, but I know he was in 1972's Fists of Fury mm. um, battling the late, uh, great... Well, you know who I'm talking about. Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. Yep. So he's had a history. He's um, a martial artist um, who then transitioned into an action hero. So he's got the acumen... He made it into the list. It was a toss-up between Missing in Action and Delta Force, mm. but I picked this one because my dad sat me down and made me watch this film. Really? All right. Go ahead. So Bruce Lee was in The Way of the Dragon. Or, sorry, Chuck Norris was in the Bruce Lee movie, The Way of the Dragon, not mm. Vista Fury. And Thank you for correcting Chuck Norris was in a movie before that. I don't. It's called The Wrecking Crew. The Wrecking Crew. In 1968. I don't know anything about it, but there you go. Thank you. Thank you. So Missing in Action was a huge movie for me. I always love those. Let's go back to Vietnam mm. and rewrite the story. But this one is a <laughs> different story. all the people. Yes, this is totally different. This is um, based on true events. This is 1986's Delta Force. Palestinian terrorists hijack an American airliner flying from Athens to New York. The hijackers take the crew and passengers to Beirut, moving the Jewish male passengers to their hideout in the city. The Delta Force launches an amphibious assault, freeing the hostages. En route to liberate the airline, Chuck faces off against a woefully mismatched leader, Abdul. Just before the plane takes off, Chuck clears the runway and boards the moving plane. Delta Force is based on true events of TWA Flight 847. Your thoughts, gentlemen? I have no recollection of seeing this back in the day. Did you know about it? For sure. Chuck Norris was pretty much everywhere, as you said, so it definitely belonged on this list. So I was excited to be able to watch it. It's an earlier movie. Uh, before all of the sequels of Missing in Action and others, yeah, I thought it was for an action movie, it was good. I enjoyed it. There's lots of action. It was interesting. They didn't just do the, I show up with the biggest gun, blow everyone away, but the strategizing of how are we going to get in there and swim in and different stuff. So it kept my attention, and it was a fun movie. Tiger. Um, not so much. I... <laughs> not so much what? There's, like, no preamble or anything. It's just not so much, and then you walk away from the mic. No, I was gathering my thoughts. Uh, I thought the hero of the movie was the uh, Ben Kaplan, the uh, Jewish uh, right. hostage yep. who stared down Abdul through mm, the, uh, the curtain. Yep. I thought that was actually really well. Uh, the, the airplane sequences yes. were actually very compelling. I enjoyed them. Yep. The action surrounding the, the airplane stuff was just nonsensical. <laughs> it was kind silly. of bonkers, right? It was weird. Um, you know, like I said, the, you you do well when you lean into the strengths of your yep. your, your leading man yep. or whatever. Arnold's big. Uh, you know, uh, Patrick Swayze's dreamboat, sexy guy. Uh, Chuck. <laughs> Sorry, can I say that on? The, yeah, no, that's great, course. man. He is. Jeff's laughing because he's like, I'm not alone. It hit me. None of us. It hit no, me. He is. Mean, that's hit that's, me right in the coddle. So. <laughs> Chuck Norris is a guy who can do roundhouse kicks, sure. and he doesn't do a lot of no. fighting. No. He has trouble with a lot of the guys. He's actually in ex extended fights with some of the villains for a while. I'm like, 
why isn't he just dominating right. these guys with some cool well, action moves? He doesn't seem to. And uh, yeah, and some of the, the sequences are kind of like, they don't make a lot of sense. I agree with you, though, that the stuff that happens on the plane, you're just reminding me of it. There, it's there's some depth there to some of the interactions, like particularly yes. when the uh, when the the um, hijackers take all the Jewish men, and then the priest says, "Nope, I'm going with them." And I was like, "Is this happening?" Yes. Like, there's there's like a moral message here, uh, and ha- there were a couple times like things like that happened, which I thought added a nice depth to it. Yeah, amongst then, of course, the American. Yeah, it was very family. dramatic. It was like I felt for the the little girl that her her dad was taken away, mm-hmm. and so that first act was really um, well done. I thought um, the priest was played by George Kennedy, um, who was on one of my favorite '80s shows, Dallas, but was also in Cool Hand Luke. Uh, just to give you some more of the cast. Lee Marvin was in this film. I think it was a big draw for my dad because uh, he would introduce me to all the 1960s army movies. Mm-hmm. And um, Lee Marvin, of course, Dirty Dozen fame. And um, the strangest casting that worked but is very problematic to me is um, Robert Forster. Uh, many, many, many films. He's an American actor. And then all of a sudden, he's now Abdul, um, a Palestinian. And... He did a good job, but at the same time, every other uh, actor um, that was portraying um, one of the Palestinians were Israeli um, Hmm. actors. And then you throw in the hall. And I think that was like, I mean, Ben Kingsley did Gandhi for crying out loud. Yeah. Right. So this was one of those things where you are using actors and appropriating the culture uh, that they're based on. Yeah, that's something that's definitely changed over the last 30, 40 years. So the, I don't know, the casting was was kind of interesting. I just wanted to ask you a question. Did you know that Chuck Norris doesn't read books? He just stares them down until he gets the information <laughs> he wants. So he didn't actually have to read the script. It mm. just Maybe that's why it was a bit of a mess. <laughs> just another couple of trivia tidbit. Um, this was a Golan Globus production, which eventually became Canon. Canon did a ton of 80s kind of B action movies mm. one of the other movies we're talking about today blood sport um, tons of uh, martial art films over the top was also a can yeah yeah so any other thoughts about this film like did you did tiger did you enjoy this one overall because you get you you get pretty serious about these films i'm looking at your face what would you say about this film I, say, I would say, should we watch it? Uh, when the plane stuff happens, you're shocked. I was in shock. I'm like, this yeah, this movie's had, it's, mm. it's got something to say. Because the first scene with the helicopter rescue is uh, is just right off the bat. The guy's trapped by an open door on one side, and Chuck Norris has to jump over all of these burning things to get to him, and then takes him out through the open door that he could have just come in in the first place. <laughs> like, it. And Lee Marvin's wearing a weird camouflage neckerchief in the beginning of it, and I thought that was just... uh, His eyebrows. Did you notice his eyebrows? (laughs) They were massive. Yeah, I just... I, I don't. Was that his swan song? Was that his last? Movie? That was his last film. He. I. I don't know if he had colon cancer. Uh, he had something going on. It was. He was in a lot of pain during that film. I feel like the director didn't do enough to showcase and to send him out in a good way. Hmm. Well, they, he didn't do enough for Chuck Norris either. To oh, be fair, well, Chuck Chuck Norris. Uh, I, I don't know, understand why Chuck Norris. Can we specifically talk? Though <laughs> I think the reason why this film was good. 
was just because of the motorcycle and the Jeep. Do you guys remember recall that? Yeah. Yep. You know what's funny about the motorcycle? Tell me. I know it was a big part of the movie because uh, it was all the movie right. was based on the motorcycle. It was weird when they're <laughs> driving it into the big like C eighteen troop mm-hmm. mover. I'm like, what? Why the motorcycle? Okay. And you know it's going to come out later. But when they're sneaking up on the compound late at night and they're all whispering like their commands to each other, the the motorcycle. You ever hear a motorcycle when you're sleeping? You can hear it from thirty <laughs> yes. blocks away. I'm it's like, true. the motorcycle is going to wake these so guys. Quiet. Yeah. No, it wasn't quiet though. <laughs> the terrorists would have definitely. Maybe there were so many explosions that all of them have significant hearing loss. Oh, possibly. Did anybody on the podcast contact the military to see if there actually is like rockets that can be right. so attached to the front of a motorcycle? that motorcycle and, was yeah. made for the film? I don't so, know if so. If, if this part is not based on the real events, then <laughs> so that was made for the film. There was Afterwards. the rockets look fake, right? Like, yeah. and then he goes. <laughs> and then they start moving and stuff. Do you think there'd be any accuracy on that? Pinpoint no. every time. Blows up a car. <laughs> Reversing. Like with yeah. the rear. Like, Why? Uh, that what was, was awesome. with I didn't understand this. So you're you're doing this um, reconnaissance at night and you're driving up. Why do they have green lights on the cars? Why not have no, no lights? Why are there green lights? You can see them from miles away. <laughs> with white ropes crossing. Yeah. Why do they all body. have white ropes? They're all in black, then there's a white rope. They needed ropes. For lots of things. They just didn't, they ran out of markers. They're like, ah, they're going to be white. And do you remember when the scuba team gets into the compound and they blow with plastic explosives the ceiling? Yeah. Did you notice the ladder apparatus that they set up? It was four ladders with a platform on top. Oh, I didn't notice that. Did you like, how did they scuba into the pipe with (laughs) that ladder apparatus? They had so much equipment. It was that. It's amazing. These are things I noticed. Yeah. Chuck Norris didn't even need scuba gear because (laughs) Chuck Norris breathes air. But only five times a day. <laughs> so um, the Save other thing for me as a kid, I don't know if you felt like this as Canadian kids, there was never any representation. Right. In this film, yes. I remembered as a kid and rewatching, I was like, yes, I remember this part. They show up That's our to station. the Beirut airport and Chuck goes, CBC to Canada. And he's, in, <laughs> he's impersonating a, a Canadian reporter. Journalist, yeah. And he's got the yep. Canadian flag on, on his uh, lapel. I thought that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, was that when they he flies into uh, Lebanon, or is he where is he flying into at that customs part there? Someone, some someone that's not friendly to the Americans. Clearly, I think, right? which I think is everywhere, isn't it? I think, <laughs> I think it is. I I'm not gonna. I'll make a mistake, but I think it was Beirut. Okay, it does speak the volumes city. that even Chuck Norris showing up, he's like, well, I better claim i'm canadian yeah and, and then, could, you, get, and everybody, then you get in but... like canadians can just walk in anywhere yeah, like yep yeah he just essentially was just started asking him about or start speaking french to him like they're they're buddies and the other guy gets in and something about the belt, the belt. oh he had to take off his belt because right. there was a metal detector uh right so but you and, don't need it uh, and i've always heard that myth about canadians you don't actually need a passport you just take a canadian flag and put it on your backpack really and no. if you're like backpacking through Europe, people mm. will treat you more oh. friendly. I think yeah. that's I've, probably changed over the last maybe. couple of years. But did you ever hear that? Like, yep. if you, oh, for sure. Yeah, I think there was a song called "Flag on Your Backpack" by the Tragically Hip. Oh man, all about that. Oh my goodness, thank you. That's why you're on here. You have such a wealth of knowledge. Simon, don't check that because it might not. Be. <laughs> um, <laughs> the best part about the movie for me. 
is, and this is a big thing with 80s movies, is if you have a good anthemic song backing it, it just it shapes the whole film. And this one had um, Alan Silvestri, who did Back to the Future, Predator, mm. Forrest Gump. This theme song would be, I think it was played 17 to 18 times. <laughs> but every time, man, I would get goosebumps. Really? And I wanted to go to war. I... Yeah, I had the opposite experience. What? It just felt like it was so repetitive that I couldn't figure oh. out what what happened that they were like, no, we're putting all of our blood, budget into that motorcycle <laughs> rockets. <laughs> we got one song. All right, we're just going to have to make it long enough that we can replay different parts of different part of the movie. Oh, I, lo- I love that I song. I hated the song, too. Yeah. What? I hated the song, too. What's wrong with you? Probably a few things. I think mm-hmm. it's just it's just the what how they the, how they uh, used it too. Mm-hmm. Like there would be this really moving scene on the plane, and then they would go back and be like, "Don't worry, guys, this isn't a sad movie. Yeah, this is, don't feel sad." America. America. Yeah. Wait a second. Why use that? <laughs> you America cited song. in the notes here that you got goosebumps from I'm Ben Benjamin Kaplan. What can I do for you? That was explain that fan. That okay. So I don't I, even remember that scene. Right. Frame this for me. Okay. So the movie's stupid. <laughs> Then the planes things happen. Right, right, that. Okay. The 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 terrorists take everyone and then they realize there's Jewish passengers on the plane. And actually the setup to it is really, really good. And the family is harkening back or remembering um mm-hmm. their family history yep. in Europe about how people were separated and what would happen. Right. And your the tension is building and he stands up against the red curtain and they pull the curtain back and there's Abdul standing staring him down. Mm. And it was like that is wow. Yeah. And then he walks up to him and he just says, I'm Ben Kaplan. Yep. What can I do for you? Like, without fear, he's seen yep. this before. I was like, in that moment, like, that's the hero of the movie. Right. For me. Good call. And I got goosebumps during that part. And I was shocked that I was watching Delta Force and Chuck Norris <laughs> movie you and feeling something. At least you can admit it. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, so I really, after the film and rewatching with the nostalgia goggles on and the ode to my father, I realized something. And this is, I don't, I don't mean any disrespect, but as an action hero, Chuck Norris kind of sucked. Mm. In comparison to Sly, in comparison to Arnie, he just doesn't hold up. He's not even like, um, like, listen. He definitely doesn't have the personality or the, yeah. I mean, there weren't. How many one-liners were there in this? I don't know many. Maybe they, for a good reason that they weren't all his fault. Some of them were written terribly. Yeah, but also if this is based on true events, then you don't want it to be like uh, joking around. Hey, remember that hijacking? Wasn't that a hilarious movie? Well, uh, that's probably not appropriate. One of the, the one-liners was something like, um, "He's he's like Lee Marvin's like, what's he saying?" And he's like, uh, "I don't know. He's speaking Arabic or something," and then. Chuck Norris's response to something he's like if we don't get out of here soon we'll all be speaking Arabic like that makes no sense <laughs> yeah gonna, I don't know yeah teach you Arabic and like, that, that, <laughs> that would be problematic if you were multilingual I don't, that was bad but that was not his fault yeah. that was written for True. him to say but yeah. no I think Chuck Norris is uh, my least favorite action hero. like I, and I'm saying that like you know, respectfully, Chuck, because Chuck Norris once roundhouse kicked someone so hard <laughs> that his foot broke the speed of light. <laughs> so I say that with all due respect. And that's the thing. Like, there's a lot of, like, Chuck Norris has, like, this following. Yeah. He's got jokes that talk about how strong he is. But it, I, I think it's a bit of a farce, right? Like, Especially, yeah, compared to even the, if we just look at Sly and Arnie, that he's... He's third by a large margin uh, in in that race. 
and then we haven't even hit a couple others. You think that Chuck Norris even cracks like the top three? No, no, I'm saying of the three of we've the talked three, about okay. thus far, he's third, no question, way down the list. Yeah. Like Sly and Arnie. Are <laughs> they needed to have him do some more cra- yeah, karate. That's probably true. <laughs> like they need to, that's, that's what he's good, only he's good at, I think. <laughs> I've come to Beirut to do karate. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. I mean, but there was, again, a lot of great explosives, a lot of, um, you know, some nice shootouts. Um, the villain fight at the end was kind of stupid. Um, but we had to talk about Chuck because he mm-hmm. was always, he was in film throughout the eighties. Um, and he even had his own TV show, um, which was also really interesting. <laughs> we won't talk about that. No one brought any Walker, Texas Ranger clips to. No, but I always that. remember, I always talk about the, his, one of his biggest adversaries was Loco Chavez. <laughs> <laughs> and I always break this up to this day with my wife, Lindsay at home. Don't make me go Loco Chavez. <laughs> so anyway, wrapping that up, that's Delta Force from 1986. Keeping in 1986, we have a banger of a film to talk about. This, I think this is a huge outlier for action and Stefan tell us what you did well when we uh, when you originally pitched this to me uh, as Kurt Russell being one right. of my act, uh, action heroes to yep. look into I wasn't so convinced that he was um, part of the fraternity of mm-hmm. action stars but I gotta say after watching Big Trouble in Little China uh, I was totally mistaken so my apologies exactly Jeff. Uh, so let's let's learn a little bit about this movie so uh Long-haul trucker Jack Burton hits the road in this dynamic action adventure. After a night of gambling and drinking in San Francisco's Chinatown, Burton reckons with even more destructive behavior as he witnesses the kidnapping of his friend Wang Chi's fiancé. Burton and Chi join forces to delve the underworld of Chinatown in a daring rescue, staying one step ahead of the minions and menace of Lopan, a mystical figure who has plotted the kidnapping in order to break a centuries-old curse. Armed with only uber-confidence and lightning reflexes, Burton must lean on the combat skills of Chi and the cunning of ally Egg Shen to defeat the dark conjurings of Lo Pan and his lords of death. Oh, that's a beautiful synopsis. Beautiful. So this, this movie... Why'd I, you pick it? You know what? I haven't seen this since probably the, the 1980s where I saw it a few times. Really? I always remember uh, really enjoying it. I was thinking like that's exactly what an action movie should be kind of like bullet speed, rapid pace, uh, humor, uh, charm, which uh, Kurt Russell uh, really brings to it. I think that's his superpower. Mm-hmm. Kurt Russell is his sort of his, his um, easiness and his charm, mm. right? He's very charming. Absolutely. In this movie, and, they, and it's written very well for him. Um, uh, I forgot how funny some of the, the, the one-liners were in this. And I also found forgot how absurd some of the movie is as well good grief (laughs) you got something to say i'll say it eventually i don't want to step on tiger's toes no 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 i i i think i know where you're going joel and i think i enjoyed the absurdity and you didn't i think you're correct (laughs) (laughs) but go ahead go ahead i I, want to hear your thoughts i did not i don't think i saw this in the 80s which i think as we've talked about before would change my experience because I don't have any nostalgia to go back to. Um, because I rem- when I turned this on and saw 90 minutes, 
this is going to be killer. It's going to be <laughs> totally right. focused. You were right. <laughs> and it's going to be a, a clear plot where they're just going to get to it. And there was just so much st- stupid stuff that happened. <laughs> there was nothing stupid. So you're going to have to you're going to have to get specific. Yes, I will. Like you're writing an so essay. There are monsters that just appear. Yeah. It was for awesome. For one scene, no explanation for where they came from, where they went to, why they and then People know things like everyone seems to know about his truck and that it was stolen. <laughs> but why would all of these people know about this and where it is? And that he then just finds it again and then just drives away. Um, there were just so many things that I thought at the end, this movie needed to be over two hours be- to explain those elements. And then that's I- the I only thing we can agree happened. on. Because when the film was over, I was like, <laughs> I need another hour of this. The first 20 minutes are a little confusing. I got, I'll admit it. Like, he drives into Chinatown yep. looking for Chi's fiance, and he drives right through, like, this gang fight of and two doesn't posings. back out. He's no. just like, well, I guess we're stuck in this. Well, you can't run people over. It's not the L.A. <laughs> yeah. riots. But then the Lords of Death appear from above, right? And you're like, they're not even part of these gangs. There's three <laughs> separate entities of fighting going on. You're mm. not really sure. And then Lopan shows up, and then all the lightning and the magic. And it's just too much at first, I think. Yeah. Um, And people that are the the gang that forms of the good people, mm -hmm. they, like, there's no explanation for how they can fight. Like, and they have these skills all of a sudden, but they only use them sometimes. I don't know. I just... I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Um, Let's get right back to the nitty-gritty of the filmmaking. So this was starring Kurt Russell... Kim Cattrall, Dennis Dunn, James Hong, Victor Wong. And it was directed by probably my favorite director of the 1980s, uh, John Carpenter. I did not know that. Yeah, so... Must have blinked out at the credits. Yeah, and so for me, I've watched many, many John Carpenter films. This is one of his finest in in my... I love this film. And the thing that I really like about it is um, he casted... Chinese American actors, and there could be some problematic, you know, uh, appropriation, cultural appropriation. But for the most part, the actors didn't play up accents. Mm-hmm. And in other films, they did. We're, we're told to play up the accents. And he also casted a few of these people in, in um, subsequent films. Do you know who I noticed right away? Who? Genghis Kong from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh my he's god! In there. Where, was he a, have a speaking role in the movie? No, he was just one of the, oh, one of the fighting tops. guys. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that's amazing. Well, I I agree with you, you Jeff. I don't think it was problematic at all, and I think one of the things I enjoyed most about it, uh, when we talk about sort of the um, some of the tropes of the '80s movies mm-hmm. and the hero of the movie, uh, and this movie I think today could be rewatched without any like shame or cringe because we continually see the white male hero jump into different cultures and become immediately the hero and the savior of that culture. And Jack Burton's supposed to be that guy, but John Carpenter's playing it. Like he's so, he thinks he's the hero, but everybody else in the movie knows that if without Chi and Egg Shen doing all the heavy lifting, uh, he would just be dead, dead. Right. So he's like (laughs) satirizing this idea that, you know, this this hero can come in and solve all the problems. Even at the end with the machine gun, Jack Burton's got the Uzi and, you know, the typical American um, 
gun shoots it off and then a big piece of rock smacks him on the head and he's out for the entire yeah. fight <laughs> and he's lying there lifeless and that's like that's one of the funniest things it's, it's, I, I thought it was an amazing piece of film and that big statue falls on him and he's trying to kick it off himself for like probably but still looking badass the entire time right and that but all he has really is like the synopsis says his uber confidence without his mm. confidence he kind of is nothing right and that's kind of the stereotypical um, you know, weird hypermasculinity that you will see in cinema and in the world around us. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people will see it as it's like you didn't have this this attitude. Your skills really don't right. like, match up. Yeah, which I thought was was interesting. And the movie made in 1986 could be so relevant, mm-hmm. kind of to today's you know cinema world. Just to let you know, um, there's talks that The Rock is going to be remaking it. What? <laughs> I'd be interested, but it's not. It won't be the same. But Joel, you had a really you were upset um, viscerally by <laughs> one part in particular. Do you want me to remind you, or do you know? I can't remember. One of the the electrified dudes who obviously Mortal Kombat stole. Um, oh yes. What was the guy's name? Uh, Raiden. Raiden rules. There was all these Raiden characters um, that had lightning. You were upset that the one. Raiden character started to um uh how do i explain that he inflates he's inflates to a huge oh that was um, actually my comment I was that your comment no, i don't no, it wasn't i mine. don't think i attributed that to my tiger sorry so you uh you did not like that scene that's where i got joel's perspective no, i thought you think you're both dumb why would he do that because <laughs> like, it was wicked because <laughs> yeah, john carpenter is like we need something to just be totally crazy and bonkers here I, maybe, maybe. I just thought that uh, they're dispatching all of these lords of death sort of one by one. Did they run out of sort of a, like a sense of how are we going to kill this guy? We dropped a Buddha statue on one guy. We Burton throws a knife through Lopin's head. I can't remember how the third one dies. I think when, uh, Chi gets him in a fight. And we have the fourth guy, and let's just make himself inflate till he explodes. <laughs> I thought it was awesome when his feet, like his feet look so bad. But then he explodes, and... And it's all this green stuff, and I just thought it was the greatest thing of all time. I thought it was great when I was um, nine. Yeah, I can totally see why. But at I, that I'm age, 45 now, I and I think it is but still great. Developmentally, you're still nine. Well, I fine. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm, it's not, still I'm great. not criticizing. I'm just identifying you've stayed the same. I've probably only seen this film 30 to 50 times. So, <laughs> do you think this is John Carpenter's best 1980s movie? <sighs> no. Um, just the thing is, what this, about? The last movie he did in the 80s. Um, Pray Tell. What, 1989? Yeah. They Live. Oh, I love They Live. I love They Live, too. I love They Live with Rowdy, a real wrestler. Yep. But, I mean, we got to do a John Carpenter episode at some point. For sure. But this is one of my favorites of of his because it's totally off path for him. I can see why. You liked it, and I, I am. Didn't you love the subterranean vaults and stuff? Like you start out in San Francisco Chinatown, and then you like go down like but, floors and floors, and just keeps unveiling things. I guess it, that's why I say Chewbacca if I was it, in the film. If, if if I had seen it then, and then suspended uh, belief, then all of it would have been fine. But because I'm watching it for the first time as a 45 year old, and thinking. This has to connect in some small way, but there were so many things that just happened, and there was no explanation. People that hate each other then suddenly love each other. 
uh, their friends. They and they literally just met. You watched them meet, and the next scene, they're like best buddies. It just didn't connect. For there me. was some loose stuff, like Lopan was harvesting the energy of two female heroines because they had the emerald eyes. When they, mm-hmm. yeah, when they those toughs show up, I thought they were intending to kidnap the one woman who Kim Cattrall was there to pick up, but then they didn't oh, yeah, get her and yeah. t- took... Jack intervened somehow and, and then got And they just picked someone else. And yeah. I was like, wait, if they weren't the one you were coming for, that doesn't make sense. We're like, well, we'll just settle for kidnapping somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Basically, this film is about Jack Burton trying to get his truck. Yes. Right. And, and then in the end, dead. Yeah. And then back on the CB. Simon, do you remember this film yes. at all? Our, our esteemed producer sometimes will chime in with something. Uh, I do. I've seen it. It was a long time ago. I think I saw it on video, um, like years after it had come out. And I remember it being like a Dungeons and Dragons game, mm. right? You yes. go below the yeah. surface, yeah. you fight a monster, yeah, it was like you go a dungeon on to the next, yeah. Yeah. next monster in the next dungeon, and there's a party. It's a Dungeons & Dragons episode. Yeah. It's great. I wonder if this, as you said before, if it did influence Mortal Kombat. Uh, oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I, it seems un- unmistakable or unmistakable, uh, but I don't know. Well, there is a film that 100% you'll be talking about influenced Mortal Kombat. Yes. So this may have been that, the start of The that. lead-in. That was a pretty good segue, I think, that, that we did there. We're going to take a break now. We'll be back. <laughs> America's elite anti-terrorist commandos. Their only mission, to neutralize the enemy. Starring Chuck Norris. Sleep tight, sucker. And Lee Marvin. The Delta Force. This is a hijack! And stop! This is a hand grenade! Because the stakes are more than pride. Daddy! And stop! More than honor. <laughs> More than justice. Collect all passports. Why? But because they're fighting to save American lives. You take one of us, you gotta take us all. It's a new age of terror that requires a new breed of warrior. The Delta Force. One minute to showtime. Members of Delta Force, and we're here to take you home. The Delta Force. Starring Chuck Norris. And Lee Marvin. American, I want to negotiate. Do you hear me, American? Loud and clear. America's new heroes, the Delta Force. And we're back. <laughs> now is the final two, uh, and Arnie wants us to pick it up. He is—he's serious. He's got yeah. us on a trajectory. We have to finish uh, with our next two. Joel, you are reviewing the next two, mm-hmm. and it's not because um, you are not special. It's just because I—I I arrange them chronologically. Fair enough. So we're jumping ahead to nine. 
88. I'm going to just say it right off the top. This is a banger. Definitely. Let's roll it. Go. All right. 1988. We get what I would say is the best movie in this man's canon. Bloodsport. Starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. Donald Gibb. Jackson! Uh, Norman Burton. Forrest Whitaker. Leah Ayers. Yeah, Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. I'm surprised when I saw him again. Roy Chiao. Um, who is Tanaka. And... Uh, Another uh, throwback to Bruce Lee is Bolo Young, who was... So uh, I, I did not he know He was known that, as yeah. the Chinese Hercules. He was so massive. Physically and in uh, action movies or kung fu movies, yeah. So uh, this follows the story of U.S. soldier Frank Dukes has come to Hong Kong to be accepted into the Kumite, a highly secret and extremely violent martial arts competition... While trying to gain access into the underground world of clandestine fighters, he also has to avoid military officers who, officers who consider him to be AWOL. After enduring a difficult training and beginning a romance with journalist Janice Kent, Frank is given the opportunity to fight. But can he survive? Spoiler, yes he can. <laughs> this one's loaded with people who love action movies. So certainly some of the cast, the writer, uh, Sheldon Latich, did Rambo 3. He worked with uh, Jean-Claude and Lionheart, Legionnaire, and Double Impact. So obviously they're buddies. The director, uh, Newt Arnold, was the assistant director in a lot of movies, going way back to like in the heat of the night, then 80s classics like Goonies, Blade Runner, 16 Candles. Jeff's favorite, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. That's a good one. That's a canon. Stefan and I both appreciate uh, Sly's Jailhouse action flick of Lockup. Underrated. Absolutely. i got to watch so it So why again. didn't you pick it, man? Rocky IV. Is okay, yeah, sorry. Back, and, then, and then Arnie's flop of Last Action Hero, appropriately. That wasn't a flop. It was beautiful. I liked it, too. Did you? Did. Yeah, it was beautiful. Like, okay. Do you like movies, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, Holy. I don't think it did well at the box office. All right, all right. Um, You're right. But then, it, it yeah, stunk. The, the producers were all involved in lots of, of these action movies um, with Chuck, with uh, Charles Bronson, Jean-Claude Van Damme. But then there were a lot of them that were involved, interestingly, in all the dance craze movies. So Salsa... Lambada. Do you remember what it was called? Uh, the Dance of Love? The Forbidden Dance. For, forbidden yeah. Dance. Yeah, they were into that. So, um, so yeah, this one uh, introduced the larger world to Jean-Claude. And, uh, you're forgetting an important part. This is based on true events. Well, <laughs> Frank uh, Dukes yeah. is a real person. He is a He's real person. He's Canadian. He's a real person. Uh, and? And every... Thing that anyone has ever looked into that he said has <laughs> been demonstrated to be false. What? Yeah, unfortunately. Are you calling him a fraud? Uh, be careful. I am not. Other people are. Be careful and because I'm reporting what he's probably tougher than us, just like Chuck. 100%. I think would. I see Chuck pulling up right now <laughs> with so, Frank yes, Dukes. It, it is, he has claimed that this is all based on true events, that this is sort of his life story, but uh, we'll just maybe leave that for later. But it is a fantastic movie. Uh, bring like we talked about, we think we it brought martial arts back into the mainstream and probably was a precursor to the development of MMA. Yep, um, becoming more mainstream. So I'm gonna say this is not a good movie in the sense that the acting's pretty horrible, the dialogue is just atrocious, 
And, Do you even like action movies? <laughs> <laughs> and the, for me, I, I, before we dig into it, the first 10 minutes, I couldn't watch the first 10 minutes with a straight face because I kept watching the the young Frank Dukes. Yeah, that was and pretty bad. Like his exactly. the was dubbing, bad. there was horrible dubbing throughout the they film. They were, I think, they were focused on. They tried to find someone that looked like Jean Claude, and that was it. And They're then like, the well, dubbing was like obviously an adult man <laughs> yeah. pretending to be a kid. I am, I am afraid of you. Please don't yeah, hurt me. That was pretty bad. But I'm, okay. well, what, what did he say? I remember one. We used to say this all the time. It's like. You're not going to call the cops. And it was, <laughs> but do it high pitch. Do it high pitch. I can't, I can't do it. You're like not that. going to call the cops. When when Shidoshi comes in and right. catches him stealing yes. the sword. Yep. Um, I think it agreed. The acting is bad. The some of the writing's bad. But I think the storytelling is uh, yeah. really, really, really yeah. good. And it, th- this one has some killer one liners like for, oh, that are, I think are among the better ones. There's a there's a there's a handful for so. sure. I love Donald Gibb too. Does anyone yeah. have a recollection of Donald Gibb in a? Um, in oh, a film? Uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's ogre. Ogre from ogre. Revenge of the Nerds, part one uh, and two. Part one and two, and in part two, he's redeemed, becomes a nerd. Yes, you remember that movie? <laughs> so I and that was a big thing for me, right? That was a big thing for me. So having him in the film was also fun. Mm-hmm. Joel, tell us more. I uh, sure no, that was I. I really liked this movie. I loved it back then. I've uh, yeah, I've probably seen it ten, at least ten times. I think this one was on TV a lot in the '90s. I think. Yeah, I think it was on TBS a fair bit. I think as that. friends, as friend units, we would watch it on repeat. Yeah, and then Many kick times. the crap out of each other. We had well, kumites. Remember? Yeah, remember in we did uh, have grade thirteen when we did the fighting. I never competition. Didn't you come you up didn't? to Ray's house? No, really. No. We and you guys would have bo- one yeah, hockey glove and yeah. one ungloved <laughs> no, hand. Bo- real, I brought my boxing gloves. You taped knives my to each other's dad hands. Dad bought them for some reason. We had them. we ha- and we don't recommend this for people no. listening. And hockey helmets, and then we would like yeah, just I would be laughing, but Ray took it seriously, so. Yeah. He did get. I think he got knocked out by Dan Lau, Dan no. B. Oh, maybe. Yeah, like I remember. Oh, it, oh, guys, yes. don't do yeah, this yeah. at home. No. So we did uh, Kumite's based on Bloodsport. I, I was always in the super fight with Doctor Marco, <laughs> and I did. I asked Doctor Marco. We have a friend who who made it to a medical in spite of the doctor. trauma. Yeah, like he's he's actually a doctor in California, and I said to him, "Is this possible?" And there's this scene where. What's what's his father figure's name again? Tanaka. Shidoshi Tanaka. Yeah. Okay. Say that one more time. Well, Sidoshi Tanaka. His, okay. His Shidoshi, I think, yeah. is his teacher. Yes. And yep. then he's pulling on these ropes and he's making yep. him do splits. Yep. And Dr. Marco in California basically said it would pop his ankles <laughs> and his groin. Except, no, he said he, that. And he did. But he said, except for Jean-Claude Van Damme when it would just damage the tree. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> I mean, he's using parody, obviously. No, if no. it was one of us, was, our legs would be splayed. Yes. And we wouldn't get up again. Yeah. That was also awesome. The training yeah, scene, the spectacle when he's like, was ridiculous. When he's just like totally focused, and yeah, the I think as teenage oh. boys, we were imagining like you could do this. I could take down a tree by just like repeatedly kicking it. Yeah, yeah. Did I, any, do you guys try that at all? Or I did take karate uh, with the Papa Brothers. Ever, but did you ever try to kick like a a pillar or anything? That was in kickboxing. That was kickboxing. Yeah, that but he did true. try. Oh no, he didn't kick I trees once, in this one. Once tried to catch a fish with my bare hand, though, and uh, didn't did, work out no. as well. Because doesn't he catch a fish? Yes, 
Yep. And then he uses that skill to snatch the coin from yep. the other tough later on. Yeah. So the opening of all the different fighters, I loved. It was just like the opening of Street Fighter yep. where they introduce all these different fighters. Yeah, they fighters. had such interesting a mix, right, of, uh, of fighters and styles. Uh, then, yeah, they had Jackson, who's just the bruiser. Yeah, he has no uh, style. Uh, no, no skill. And early UFCs, there were people yeah, like that. that's the way it worked. Mm-hmm. There was a guy that did the cartwheels on yep. uh, all fours. Uh, that was uh, a little weird I don't know what that to was. me. Yeah, that, that was a little weird to me, I, where he was like, I don't, I don't know what they were trying to convey there. Not, I, yeah. I think I know what they're trying to convey. <laughs> and, and re-watching it, it's yeah, very problematic was, to me. Yeah, I did, He looked yeah. really neat. And the way he gets disposed of, I I thought it was sickening. Right. They break his back. Yeah. The the big giant. Oh, just, the big the big sumo guy. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. The, and and then he just flops down and his blood sport job. Yeah. Yeah. It was, but I felt bad for him because he was. I'm sure dead. he was a nice guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's the. I think that's what they did well. Is they they all shaped sizes. Yeah. Uh, different uh, styles, I suppose, which was cool. The um, one there was one guy that I finally clued in with, and he was wearing headdress. Then I was looking at all his his side people, and he was supposed to be some from the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And and he had um, he, he got the gold the, tooth. Yeah, that he, yeah, yeah, but he knocks it out. But mm-hmm. I didn't when I was a kid. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that they were trying to go with different nationalities mm-hmm. and right whether it worked or whether it didn't. Yeah, I'm not sure, but there was a lot of different. It set characters. the stage, at least, of this kumite that is bringing the best fighters from around the world, mm-hmm. and so that I think that was to represent that. And you kind of you kind of believe that was actually happening, mm-hmm. even though the set and the fact that the one ref refs every single bout, <laughs> he would have been uh, tough. <laughs> you're like this. This this is could happen. The and guys, why why would he cash? Why would he do it in satin? <laughs> like it's comfortable. There, there was a few people in satin geese, and it was more like, "Are we in Hugh Hefner's pad or what?" <laughs> there was very flashy geese, mm-hmm. and he almost got. Um, well, didn't Frank Dukes almost? He saved. He almost yeah. Saved him? yeah, when Remember? Frank goes blind, it's like Mister Fuji him. was uh, there with uh, the foreign <laughs> object. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there was that foreign object aspect. Yeah. What can mm-hmm. we talk about, Chong Li? For a second when you first saw him as a kid what did you think of him like did you think that he was scary yeah good villain for sure yeah i thought he was scary i and when when you saw it recently did you think he was would you get in the ring with him no no joel absolutely what about not. you absolutely not no he looked not. he looked like the real deal because he was that he was originally a bodybuilder. Yeah, um, like I said, he was referred to as Chinese Hercules. Yeah, um, which seems weird. Like hopefully it wasn't people in China saying that you yeah. just call him Hercules. But <laughs> uh, and then yeah, that, then he became or maybe all through it was martial artist and yeah, he gave it some legitimacy. Because um, you wouldn't see that nowadays. Because now it would just be like the flavor of the month. Let's get him on roids and let right. let's yeah. put him on a. Uh, in a tight outfit, and let's call him a Marvel hero, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like they were using real people yeah. um, back in the the late '80s for sure. My favorite scene in the entire movie was when the poor guy Chong Li's got this poor guy, and he's like kind of passing out, and he finishes him off with this devastating kick oh, that yeah. breaks off oh, his leg. Shin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gruesome. It was it was serious, man. Mm-hmm. I, I, did you like the, remember when they're questioning 
uh, dukes of like how he could enter and it says his paperwork says Tanaka. He's like, you don't look like Tanaka. And then he's like, do perform dim yes. yeah. death touch. Yeah, death touch. And then he does it. And then, uh, and then Chang Li says, very good, but brick not hit back. That was a good line. I know. And then that the throwback to that. Do you remember then when uh, later later Jackson goes to uh, <laughs> offers to do it, and then uh, and then he smashes the brick on his forehead. Yeah. And then he hands it to the judge like for you. <laughs> <laughs> Jackson was a good comic comedy relief yes. in it. Uh, so was the other guy, the uh, the handler, yes. the guy that walked into yeah, the yeah. city. Uh, yeah, I think the movie uh, overall is a winner to me. Yep. Um, I, I like the fact that it's a bit of mystery at the beginning where he's escaping, going AWOL. Right. You're not sure what he's doing. Mm. Then they go right into this, the backstory, and the backstory is done properly. Like mm. They spend some time on it, and you care about the, him honoring his Shidoshi. Right. I think in the 80s movies, you either have to ignore the backstory altogether and go pure action right. or give it some time. But don't just talk a little bit about the mm. backstory because I think in the next movie we talk about, I, I, I really found that the backstory was, was very lacking. You're oh, yeah? not going to call the cops, are you? <laughs> so, uh, question. Do you think that Jean-Claude Van Damme actually had a chance against Chong Li in the end? Like, for real. If it was a real fight. Like, do you believe that Jean-Claude had the chops? He's pretty ripped. He, I thought he was pretty ripped. I think he would be okay. And I mean, did he look like a real martial artist? 100%. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's I think why we like some of these films is because this person could kill us. Yeah, he could death touch us. He could, and they and they 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 let Jean Claude do his his martial arts, uh, to so it seemed legit, mm-hmm. right? Chuck Norris never got to do his martial right. arts and didn't seem legit to me. Yeah, so that's true. That was a bang. And I the thought. splits ended up coming back in every single John claude Van Damme. Sure. He really no does one those else, splits, though. Eh? No one else Does do anyone that. want to try the splits right now? Simon, do you want to try the splits for us right I'm now? I'm basically sitting. He's getting like ready. No, no, I'm not going to do any splits. Sorry. Okay. Well, it could have been cool. Did you wear your Arnie G-string, uh, it though, be, today? So you you'd have to call it <laughs> My Arnie G-string? What was that. he wearing? Br- briefs? G-string? What do they call them? Speedo. Speedo. <laughs> <laughs> it says, uh, apparently Arnie wants us to move on. <laughs> so he's asked if we can move on. And we are going to move on to 1989. And some people dispute this person as an action hero. Joel, when we first started talking about this tiger, he said we need to do an entire yeah. episode on just Swayze movies. Yeah. And like I'm a I'm I'm a Swayze fan, so why did you need why did you push for Swayze to be an action hero in this this, this episode? I think because this movie is a quintessential '80s action movie, not necessarily in the form of uh, Arnie and Sly or uh, Chuck, but there's a lot of action in it, a lot of fighting. It's just a different setting, and uh, that's what I remember about it. So. I wanted to uh, honor the memory of Patrick Swayze by including him here. Because, yeah, I don't know that he's been in many or any other action movies. Point Break. Would Point be. Break, true. Yeah. Um, what are you talking about? Um, Dirty Dancing. Well, Red Dawn, hello? True. So, see? I'm Outsiders. Even, uh, that wouldn't be action. He had a rumble in Outsiders. What are you talking really about? But it's a total action movie. Just the rumble. There's a knife scene 
people yeah. get cut. <laughs> um, young blood. Aki. Okay, so see, young there's lots. Blood. So it was a good choice, but yeah. Actually, Point Break's one of my favorite movies of all time. Point Break's good. Joel doesn't like it, but um, I, think I don't great. even want to talk to Joel about this right now. We need to move on. <laughs> we all need right. to move on. 1989 to- brought us the uh, the wonderful movie Roadhouse. Starring Patrick Swayze, Kelly Lynch, and Sam Elliott, as well as Jeff Healy and his band. Uh, one of our favorite uh, heel wrestlers of the 80s, Terry Funk. Um, and then love the funk. Keith David, who was in uh, The Thing. and He wasn't in this movie. Yeah, he was. And uh, They Live, yeah. He absolutely. was in Roadhouse? Yep. Yeah, he was. He was a bartender mm-hmm. when uh, yeah, the, yeah. the bar gets cleaned up. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Tiger remembers. Oh my Couldn't get gosh. any whiskey because of... Uh, yeah. Whatever his name is. So then uh, the director is Rowdy Harrington. So since uh, he he produced, do you know what he did? No. Nope. Gladiator, which the boxing gladiator, the, the, the oh. one that the one that we love, which you guys did a movie. We, we did the movie. sequel. Yeah, so Gladiator Two, very limited release. Man, because we were filming. We watched that. People think this is this is the Russell Crowe though that we're talking about here, but it's completely no, no, no. It's better. The real. That sucks. You baptize now. <laughs> yeah. It's... Cooper Gooding Jr. was Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So uh, then, yeah, there's producers, Tim Moore, Steve Perry, who did lots of uh, assistant directing. Wasn't he in Journey? Rocky. Yeah. He, he had a very varied career. Um, so he was the assistant director on Rocky, Sudden Impact, Action Jackson. So, yeah, another uh, classic there. Oh, Die Hard and Lethal Weapon and Joel Silver. Throwback to one of the early ones. So, the Double Deuce is the meanest, loudest, and rowdiest bar south of the Mason-Dixon line, and Dalton has been hired to clean it up. He might not look like much, but the PhD-educated cooler proves he's more than capable, busting the heads of troublemakers and turning the roadhouse into a jumping hot spot. But Dalton's romance with the gorgeous Dr. Clay puts him on the bad side of cutthroat local big shot Brad Wesley, and he has to call in help from his old friend Wade. I love Wade. Yeah, I don't think anyone dislikes Sam Elliott. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. Really? You, you dislike did, you Sam did, Elliott? I think the movie goes as downhill as soon as really? Sam Elliott shows up. Really? But his voice, man. He's got a good, yeah. Hello, Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> Say Miho for us, would you? Miho. <laughs> I like your style, dude. Oh, different movie. Yeah, I liked how it was... I think it just is a different setting, like that. I would never uh, find myself in, interested in what are the goings on in this bar. Let's go to the backwater, America. Yeah, and... but uh, so just is it? I don't know that there's any other movies of the same vein. Maybe no. there are many, but I don't uh, think there is. I think it was the in the canon of bouncer movies. This is it. This is right. the only one. Which is, what is awesome about the '80s is like today everything's a sequel or right. a remake. They were they were banging their heads against the wall to come up with ideas. Right. They're Something like, different. What can we do? Yeah. Uh, how about arm wrestling? Yeah, they made a whole movie. <laughs> yeah. How about bouncer? Okay, let's figure it out. And then you get Roadhouse, which is a fantastic movie for about forty five minutes. <laughs> and I do like the beginning, like you said, that um, how when he comes in, he's not just oh he's tougher than everyone and people fighting. He just destroys them, and then oh now the bar is nice. But he he has <laughs> he has like a philosophy yeah. of like. Be yeah. nice. That's his line, right? I like, love that line. And he, and then there's another line. He's like, nobody wins in a fight. 
That's truth, like, though. It's true. It's I know, he's, exactly. He's a stoic philosopher. That's, that's why. And then, yeah, and of course we love uh, our our fellow Canuck, Jeff Healy. Oh, Jeff band. Healy's pro- – I think he's, he's, Jeff Healy and the twin brothers um, are, I think, I think the best They're not even the related. They are so. I'm pretty sure they're not. They're twins, dude. Okay. Look, Kit Simon, can you look that up? <laughs> the Jeff Healy band. Those I, guys are definitely <laughs> twins. They have the exact same hair. I know they look it's very similar. And Jeff yeah. Healy is Oh, you mean the two guys that are in the band? Yes. Oh, they're not twins. Yeah. What? Not You're no, kidding. I've been telling related. everyone for years. They're twins. <laughs> no, no. I guys, I'm sorry. I've been misinforming people. We're talking about the age of misinformation. We gotta cut this part out of the no, no, this is. Sure. I need to apologize no, this is, to this people. This is a public service. This is Every, a, all of Canada has been thinking. Yeah, wow. Jeff Healy played with twin brothers. Jeff so. Healy was so good in this movie. Yeah. Like he was shredding. What a great singer, too, eh? Yeah, yeah. Too bad that they had to ruin the double deuce and make it all nice. Yeah, I like the chicken wire. I liked it too. I thought that was way better. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort of lost its ambiance. Well, I think uh, when I look at it, I'm like, okay, first of all. If you just wanted to get these toughs out of here and bring in these kind of like schmarmy lawyerly right. douchebags, which happens in the movie, everyone's wearing branded golf shirts, right? And then guys with ties come in. I'm like, all you had to do was raise the drink prices by two bucks, <laughs> and then all the rich pay, people would pay come the cops in to come a bit, and you don't have to like beat everybody up, right? You just so you're to- thinking like a capitalist. You just gentrify the thing. That's all you have to do. You close it down for three months. Right. You make it nice inside. Right. And then all the ruffians go find some so, to go. So, I yeah. mean, now, Joel, you've probably, I'm going to, I'm going to think that you probably never had a run in with a bouncer. Is this true? A hundred percent true. <laughs> I just want to let you know that Tiger and I have had several run ins with bouncers. Well, and you were a bouncer. If I, I was not. No. Didn't you say that? I was 165 pounds I when know, I was but 20. What were you saying? That- Dr. Marco was a bouncer. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah Doctor Marco that. was. Uh, so you're a doctor in California. Used to clunk heads. Yeah, he's just not a surgeon, is he? No. Okay. No. But you take care of your hands when you're doing surgery. No, he's not a surgeon. Oh. Um, but yeah, we've had. I I don't want to paint a picture, but we've had some run-ins with <laughs> bouncers. Um, but not like this. No, no. You would have liked to run into this guy because no. he's like he's not going to cause wow. trouble unless. I was I was a little manhandled a little more than it were, was necessary. I think you were manhandled. We were both manhandled for no for we we deserved. It. I stepped on a a plastic. You shouldn't incriminate. Don't incriminate yourself. And it was you didn't step on a plastic. We're did. moving on. I we're see. moving on. He's incriminating himself. Let's just say set the record straight. that bouncer Simon. Have you ever had a run in with a bouncer? This is important. This is background. No. Okay. So <laughs> me and Simon will. So we obviously have here. problems, and maybe that's why we gravitated towards this film. I felt bad for the Tufts. They were <laughs> they were mishandled, and they should have taken um, Patrick Swayze to court. No, I, I hated the Tufts. I thought the Tufts were yeah, uh, jerks. Uh, I was happy when they were getting uh, handed to them. The, the, the thing I couldn't figure out about this movie, though, taking a different direction, was. Why everyone in the town allowed Brad Wesley to do all the terrible things he did, like just destroy the various well, he's mafia. businesses. Yeah, but yeah he, he it didn't that, make any sense. Like literally, he, everyone could mafia go. would have set the car dealership on fire at night. They wouldn't have taken a monster truck <laughs> yes. in broad daylight <laughs> yeah. and smashed and it. When everything. everyone was there to watch it, that was slightly was incriminating. Yeah. That was slightly, and incriminating. then no one did anything. They're just like, well. 
Yeah. Not till not till the end. Now, does anyone know where the what is the name? Brad. Brad was. Yeah. Brad when, West. Do you? Is, there's another '90s movie that he reappears in with Sam Elliott. He's a known pornographer. Oh, he's in the Big Lebowski. Jackie Treehorn, mm-hmm. right, dude? Yeah. So he uh, he he does the villain quite well. Yeah, liked him. Mm-hmm. It was confusing. To not to like me. him. Liked to not like him. Yeah, he yeah, was he bad. Was unlikable, yeah. but yeah. good. Like, how much money does a cooler earn? Because um, Patrick Swayze drives around in a Mercedes. True. Like how. Who's, Must not who's be a lot, though, because remember the guy offered him his loft for very little money? Mm-hmm. Um, and coincidentally, he's directly across the river from Brad Yeah, Wesley. I that thought was that perfectly was... Perfectly I didn't like that set design. I thought it was really weird. It was uncomfortable for me. Like, why would you ever... Like, why would a guy build a mansion across the river and you would, like, live across from him, just look at him, and... You, I just move. Yeah. Do you know what was cool, though, when he ended up taking out the i can't remember the guy's name the uh leather not the leather the jean jacket tough mm, guy yeah yeah he rips Who's, his throat out yeah yeah and then he's in the <laughs> for water for the second time the second time and then there's a scene of the river and he's floating towards brad leslie's yes, yeah. just pushes him at like 15 kilometers per hour he's just <laughs> motoring <laughs> i thought he would sink he, yeah you think but it's kind of like oh he's brad leslie's gonna wake up to see his yeah. his toughest guy maybe all the air rushed into the <laughs> the cavity formed by his throat being r- ripped out, and that's why it was floating. And why was Kelly Lynch so upset about that? I mean, the guy pulled a gun on Dalton. Yeah. And what was he going to do? And yeah, you pretty much have to rip his throat out. That's the that's where the backstory fails us here. Well, because, yeah, it gets it gets it, pretty yes, out of hand. Yeah, the two it gets of them out of hand would, quick. and also like like you said, Stefan, he's a dreamboat. But when he shows up with his medical records and he's a bar bouncer, is the local doctor really going to be like? That's why I want to hitch my wagon right there. Well, uh, but it shows that, you know, he is forethinking. He has been like, just like when he traded his car in and he mm-hmm, got a, right, a old card. He yep. knew he would get. Yep, it's true. You know, slashed his tires and all that. So mm-hmm. pain don't hurt. And she's definitely into that. Yep. She would not be there, by the way. She'd be in California with Dr. Marco. Like, mm-hmm. why would you stay in that community? Yeah. Where like, if you're a doctor. They're in Kansas City, right? Well, that's where that she's from, I think. So and she still wants to help her community. Uh, how come Dr. Marco's not in Stony Creek anymore? Because when you're <laughs> a doctor, you do what you want. Taxes and... Uh... So her uncle owns the hardware store, right? right. That's the yep. idea? Yep. Okay, so what do you guys think about the end where um, the cops come in mm. and Brad Wesley has been shot multiple <laughs> times? <laughs> Dalton is covered in his blood and other people's blood. Yes. There's knives sticking out of everyone. Yes. Red grabs all the shotguns, disappears for 30 seconds, comes back without the shotguns. Right. So where are the shotguns? They're in a closet or they're outside <laughs> in a hedge right. or a shrub. We don't know. And the cops essentially look at everyone. They say, we ain't talking. And the cops are like befuddled. Oh, yeah. what are well, we? <laughs> bag them and tag them. Let's go, boys. <laughs> and Dalton gets to swim in the swimming hole with Kelly Lynch and the movie ends. Yeah. So basically, folks, we know that this ending. is the problem with this movie is it, it teeters on reality too much. All I could think of was, unfortunately, he's going to jail for life times four <laughs> because there was homicides. Right. Right. Even if there's manslaughter, there was still some homicides happening. And it, it, it went from, it was a serious take, whereas Commando was more like a caricature. Right. This movie, just as a warning or a reminder for any parents who are thinking, let's run down all these flicks with our kids, this might be the one you want to watch least because there is some uh, 
adult there's some oriented bad. scenes. There's some unfortunate. I mean, there's, oh there's yeah, swe- there's parts. a fair bit of swearing, but there. Um, I think there was a scene. Was, was there Patrick Swayze's um, buttocks? In yeah, this? I believe so. That's tame compared to yes. some of the other. Um, yeah. LL Shots. Cool P, man. Ladies love Cool Patrick. They love Patrick Swayze. <laughs> yeah. It was especially considering it happened after Dirty Dancing, Absolutely. which he was uh, top of the heap. His okay, so That's he a good takes run for him. Mm-hmm. Good run. Yeah, he um, takes his shirt off. Right. What did you think? Impressive. In comparison, though, because he's to, normal. In, yeah, in comparison to he's Stallone. Like, if Jean I stop Claude, eating donuts and chips, I might <laughs> be able to look like that if I tried hard enough, or I couldn't look like the other guys. Of all of the actors, what did you think, Stuff? I thought it was good. I thought it was like kind of like a Bruce Lee look. Mm. Um, like, uh, and he's kind of got the martial arts, the right. Eastern philosophy sort of ideal behind yeah. him. I thought it worked perfectly. The interesting thing about him is he was um, a gymnast, and yep. he was a dancer mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. before he was an actor. So he has that kind of life body. He could probably kill us. Honestly, it, I think he he knocks someone out with a left hook in one scene. And I'm like, that's the best punch I've seen in all six of these movies. It <laughs> yeah. was a solid. He looks like he plays the part. He he, knows and you know that he knows martial arts for he sure. Must. He definitely. So he, he could be the toughest of all. No, Jean-Claude would kill him. <laughs> Right, John Claude would kill. Him. Yeah, he would kill. Him. It That's, would be a it would be a good battle royale. Roadhouse had some good. <laughs> that, I'm just visioning that right now. <laughs> the choreography of the fight scenes yes. in Roadhouse was pretty good, which is probably due to Patrick having some uh, yeah. experience with choreography and knowing movement. Very good point, Joel. Mm-hmm. He was in control yes. of his body. Yes. Uh, Sam Elliott looked like the worst fighter ever, though. Other than <laughs> catching the fists, he had great hair, though. <laughs> I loved his hair. I liked his style. Yeah, I think he he just brought that attitude more than anything. It was swagger. We call it swagger. Yeah, yeah. He, and his character fit in that. I'm just going to talk like Sam Elliott the rest of the show. You know what I loved when uh, Dalton walks into the bar for the first time. This happens later with Wade, and all the young bouncers are like aware mm-hmm. of him. Damn. Yeah, like there's some sort of legend aura behind them. Yeah, and he's like, "Who's that guy? That's Wade." Hey, that's Wade. And yeah, like they're all giddy about it that this guy came in who's a cooler. Yeah, and do you think that it's physiologically possible to rip a person's throat out? Did that Dr. Marco weigh in? We didn't ask that. I don't think. No, but we, we probably should, should in subsequent yeah. episodes. That's what, that we could make that a whole segment of just like, hey, we checked with our doctor friend. Yeah, no, none of this is possible. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Dude, you want to try on me? I don't mind. <laughs> okay, I'll give it a but shot. That, he was so upset that he did it the first time that he left, and then he went back to that move, yeah. which I guess if you are threatened um, with death, then maybe you go back to your uh, finishing move like Mortal Kombat. But it seems like if this happened once, it was just like a fluke. But the second time, like, how is he able to reach through and rip that out? That seems like uh, something Bruce Lee could not have done. No. But I mean, once it's mentioned, yeah, they sort they of have need to. Do they it. need yeah. to show it. Yeah, and then he's just bes- beside himself that he did it again. He's but so... he was justified to do it. I don't understand what. Every... Well, well, and, and then at the end, he doesn't kill Brad Wesley. He lets the other guys do it. He stands aside because right. he has a chance to kill mm. him. And Kelly Lynch's like, "Oh, he's been he's been redeemed. Mm. He didn't kill this guy who yeah. deserved it, obviously." And then they fall in love, right? Jackie, well, Tree- already Jackie Treehorn's not going to last the, the entire scene. Like, that's baloney. He's not a tough. No. No. He would have been taken out. Yeah. 
So. Okay, well, Arnold asks, is asking us to move on now, and I'm not going to deny him. Well, last time. Um, we're going to be right back to give you the results of the poll. Which one is the victor? Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. Patrick Swayze is Dalton. I thought you'd be bigger. Opinions vary. When he's around, anything can happen. How's a guy like you end up a bouncer? Just lucky, I guess. And usually does. If somebody gets in your face, I want you to be nice. Don't! Don't be rude! Ask him to walk, but be nice. Help this gentleman to the door. Until it's time to not be nice. So says the fighting philosopher. He may be hard to handle. I keep talking, you're going to go off thinking I'm a nice guy. I know you're not a nice guy. But he's easy to like. What's the matter, Dalton? Don't you like women? The worst I ever had was wonderful. He's not what you'd expect. I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> but there's one thing you can count on. He's the best friend a good time ever had. Aren't you guys tired? Doc, I'll get all the sleep I need when I'm dead. This is my town. I'm not afraid of him. I guess you'll be having that fire sale now, all right? <laughs> Get your hands full, kid. I just think I'm looking at a dead man. <laughs> Patrick Swayze. For that line of work, I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> Gee, I've never heard that before. Roadhouse. And we're back with the final tally. Flinch. You have fighting spirit. You're not going to call the cops? Nope. Not if we make a deal. What kind of a deal? I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And that was some stellar acting from 1989. So, Retro Joel, we have the results. Are you surprised by the results? Because I, I shut down the poll late last night. Yep. Our biggest turnout ever. Were you surprised? Yes. I was surprised. I thought we were just recapping. I thought Roadhouse was going to run away with it. Crazy. I just thought there was a wider appeal. Um, so, yeah, I'm very surprised by the results. Glad to see all those people turned out and contributed their thoughts. Arnie won, right? He did not. What? I, I can't believe it. Crazy. I, yeah, I, I'm a bit, I am surprised how this turned out. Um, but I think we'll all agree with the last place. Uh, well, no, actually. I think <laughs> okay, we're going to start. We're yeah. going to start the bottom and work our way up. The last, and we will have a definitive winner after this. So, just folks, this is just a. Um, this is not a scientific poll. Um, we don't. We did not do the uh, analysis. No. It, it, we're we're amateur statisticians at yes. this point. Yeah. I didn't even take finite in, in high school. I so. took finite in uh, university twice. So once because... Anyway, <laughs> let's just say mornings so, weren't for me. Yeah, so we picked six films that we've recapped for you. And starting at the bottom, uh, 3% of people picked Delta Force. 
Oh my gosh, Chuck's walking up the stairs right now. <laughs> yeah. So you all should uh, sleep maybe with a light on and some automatic weapon in case he comes to check on you. Uh, next up was 12%, Big Trouble in Little China. That's a travesty. Well, I don't I thought, I honestly felt Delta Force was better, but that's just me. So then next is at 16%, Roadhouse. So I was way off. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought it was middle of the road for me. So step up. So we're top three now. 19% is Commando. What? Yeah. So Arnie uh, did not win? He did not. So uh, unless you have a, uh, different stats with you, Jeff, we actually have a tie. This is the first time ever. Ever in, in voting. There's never been a tie in any vote before. Um, but it's a tie, 25%. Uh, so a quarter of you picked Bloodsport and a quarter picked Rocky Four. Whoa. Yeah. That's amazing. Interesting that both are uh, sports, right, uh, athletic, that uh, the other ones are just fighting for the sake of fighting. And or, killing. Yeah. But these ones were athletic endeavors interesting so who would win in a fight maybe that's maybe that's you what know, people were voting maybe. for they wanted to see jean-claude versus or, or uh, frank dukes versus rocky balboa are you asking though um simon who out of all six of these people who'd win no, in no. a fight? i think we it, we should debate really quickly who would win rocky balboa or frank dukes oh I mean, I think Rocky would win just because no. he'd have the fortitude I would, I agree. to win. That's yeah? his whole thing. He just can take a punch. Right. You guys are stupid. <laughs> well, he also took about a thousand punches. From us. <laughs> True. Yeah, Drago a, a and kick to Clubber the... Lang and everyone yeah. else, and just everyone knows that Frank Dukes would win this. Plus, we may be stupid, but we realized that two guys in Jeff Healy's band weren't. Right? <laughs> yeah, Frank. Dukes, but they had angel eyes. What do you want? I, I, I definitely. Know. I know Frank Dukes would say he would win. Uh, but he also made up this entire story about his life that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we're both making them up, I guess we could make up Rocky wins. You would need Frank Dukes would really need to make Rocky mad first, though, uh, so he right. could settle that score right. in some way. Would if, oh, you, and you know what? If they made a movie, maybe it would happen in Frank's uh, hometown of Toronto. So that would bring Rocky to Canada, and he could train in the winter again, <laughs> <laughs> just like running Lake away Ontario. from moose. And he'd be chugging milk from bags. He could climb the CN Tower instead of the yeah. mountain this time. Yep. Okay. It would make for an entertaining movie. Okay. How do you guys decide this? Well, I we're going to have to go. We haven't had one. We didn't know we had to come up with one. Yeah. Well, I think in this case, we're just going to have to put both in the time capsule. Yeah. I think they both deserve to be fair. there. Be, That's the way we're going to have yeah. to go, I think. So both of these choices are now firmly entrenched in the time capsule. So the 80s action hero film results, we have Bloodsport and Rocky Four going into the cinema time capsule for future generations mm-hmm. to view. Okay, as we wrap up this section, did we miss any action heroes that you think Tiger should be um, discussed at least reference. Reference. Maybe there'll be a part two. We'll have you on okay. for action that part two. Who would you put in uh, that we did not include? Well, I'll start with this. I think we uh, maybe we missed one important genre of the 80s, and that is cops. Uh, there was a lot of really good uh, 80s cops. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, good buddy cops. Buddy cops. Right. They had their own style. They all dressed in like street clothes. Yep. They looked like criminals, <laughs> and they had guns sticking out of their front or back. Yep. Um, well, Magnum, I remember. 
Oh, Dirty Harry. Well, he, no, Magnum P.I. used to oh. put his gun in his back. Yep. Because I used to do that with my water gun. And it would, it <laughs> would get into all my wet pants. <laughs> yeah, I'd always have wet pants. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sad that we never got to watch a cop. Um, right. Uh, Who would be your uh, uh, action cop? Oh, that's a good question. Who I really liked in a kind of a, a role that was, um, you know, sort of out of left field was uh, Michael Douglas in Black Rain. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. That one. was Tokyo. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a good that was a good. Uh, Mel Gibson was a great cop. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can't forget about um, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy, Bruce Willis. Yeah, Clint Bruce Eastwood, mm-hmm. Charles Bronson. Yeah, so, so there's a few. So taking that segue, I think Bruce Willis as an action star True. is. Yeah. Um, we left him out. I mean, he's only he really only got had Die Hard. He only had the, like 1988 Die Hard. Then he kind of did more. Um, 90s stuff yeah in the 90s where Mm. action really exploded you mentioned one that I really think deserves uh, to be in but I don't consider an action hero but made the best action films of all time who was that I was looking at the IMDB page of this uh, gentleman and he made uh, I think uh, exactly 10 movies in the 80s one per year Uh, he made one comedy and nine action movies Mm. and uh, Harrison Ford was in Empire Strikes Back, yep. right. Return of the Jedi, all three of the Indiana Jones. Yes, amazing. He was in Frantic, directed by Roman Polanski. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in Witness, which was a really underrated yep. movie. I thought it was great. He was a cop in that, so that would have uh, satisfied mm-hmm. that. Uh, I agree that he doesn't have... Like all these guys, like we talked about, they have a signature thing that they're good at. Well, um, they were athletes or they were strongmen. Or, or they were... Um, I guess Harrison Ford has got sort of that... I don't know what they call it, scoundrelly charm kind right. of thing. From, well, that's what Princess Leia would have referred right. to it as. Indiana Jones was sort of the thinking man, mm-hmm. but also unconventional hero with right. like, used a whip instead of yep. really anything else. Uh, kind of iconic things. I really liked Harrison Ford. I think uh, Last Crusade is actually the best of the three mm-hmm. movies. I really mm-hmm. like that one. So I, I think he there's a place for him in this conversation. Uh, maybe, maybe Tom Cruise. Just from Top Gun, pretty right. much alone. Yeah, or or the plane. I think then we'd have to pick the plane. Would be the actor. He did the plane did the work. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> so maybe if we'll do we do a part two, we'll uh, right. Steven Seagal, right? Sorry. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, we better. He uh, is out for justice. <laughs> Arnold is asking us to move on, the, and normally it's normally it's our producer telling us to yeah. move on, but we have to move on. We've got some some fan mail coming in now well thanks everybody for watching with us we were thrilled to walk back through these action movie hero flicks hopefully you enjoyed our uh, goofy takes on them and had some agreement and disagreement with us and we'll look forward to hearing your thoughts on social media find us on facebook and instagram at cinema time capsule Find the podcast on whatever platform. Send it to your friends. We'd be thrilled to hear from you, your thoughts. And look forward to our next vote, which, Jeff? We're going to be looking at 1980s teen movies. So please stay tuned for an upcoming episode. Until next time, we'll see you at the movies. For centuries, the Society of the Black Dragon has sanctioned an ancient rite of combat known as the Kumite. 
open only to the world's most lethal warriors. It has never been won by a Westerner. You are not Japanese. I can do it. Now, for the first time, the true story of America's super agent, Frank Dukes, can be revealed. Uncle Sam can't afford to let you get hurt. I'm going to go. Frank is going to fight in the Kumite, and we're here to stop him. An awesome human weapon. There's me just looking at it. Who infiltrates the Chinese underworld. I did not come this far to stop him now. Take him. To enter a forbidden competition. Couldn't you just get me in? Strict rules. No press. You're telling me you never break rules? Where every fighting style, every worthy opponent, every deadly technique, I... clash in savage combat. Time to separate the men from the boys. And only one will triumph. Now I break you. I... International martial arts sensation Jean-Claude Van Damme in Bloodsport. The true story of the ultimate champion. This has been the Cinema Time Capsule Podcast. For more information about Cinema Time Capsule, please email us at cinematimecapsule at gmail.com. This podcast was produced by Simon Wielden. The theme song was performed by Bruce Turney and Simon Wielden. Thanks for listening. 